Once that you've decided on a killing First you make a stone of your heart And if you find that your hands are still willing Then you can turn a murder into art There really isn't any need for bloodshed You just do it with a little Good morning. Thank you for worshiping with us at West United Methodist this morning. My name is Andrea Smith. I'm the lead pastor here. And if you're worshiping with us here in person or online, we extend a very special and warm welcome to you this morning. We are in the middle of a series, How to Get Away with Murder. Is it murder if if death does not win? So this morning, we're going to continue to explore that. Before we do, If you will allow me just a moment of personal privilege, uh, I just want to say thank you because last Sunday I shared with you that Scott had had, uh, my husband, uh, an emergency appendectomy. He was dismissed, released, whatever you call it, from the hospital on Monday, and then we ended up back in the hospital on Wednesday in the middle of the night with just some complications. And as you found out about that, uh, the phone calls and the text messages, the visits, and all those things were just overwhelming. In fact, one night, Lane and I were driving back to the hospital to see him, and she looked at me and she said, Lane's our daughter, sorry, for new people, I forget that you don't know all these minor details of my life and probably don't care either, but I'm telling you this morning anyway. uh, We were on the way to the hospital and Lane looked at me and she said, you know, daddy knows a lot of people. She said, but the church really has shown up and the church has cared for us. So I just wanted to say a huge, huge, huge thank you because we never felt alone and felt the love of God and the peace of God. And I really believe that that is because of you. So I wanted to say thank you. Let us pray. Gracious God, this morning as we begin to explore what happens when we experience betrayal or we are the betrayer, we ask that you open our minds and our hearts so that we may experience the true joy of the resurrection because that is what it's all about. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I want you to take a look at some pictures this morning that you're going to see on the screen. Some of these people are going to be the people that actually did the betraying. Others of these are going to be the people who were betrayed. And we'll explore that as we look at each person. But I want you to, at West, if you're new to West, we invite you just to talk back to me. Uh, anytime, actually. And, and I always enjoy it when you do. So when we show these pictures, tell me if you know who these people are. So let's look at the first one. Do you know who that is? Very good, Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar. Now, he was actually betrayed by his nephew, Marcus Brutus. Caesar had overthrown a republic. He was not going to restore it in the way that the people thought that he should. And in fact, he was getting ready to declare himself the dictator. And so there was this plot to assassinate him. And Brutus, his nephew, ended up leading that plot. So uh, Caesar was betrayed on by the people that were closest to him. Let's take a look at the next picture. Do you know who that is? Benedict Arnold, 
He was a general for the Americans during the Revolutionary War, and he deflected to the British Army. So he was a betrayer. Let's look at the next one. You might know this one. Who is that? Bill Belichick. Yes, now... You're chuckling a little. Now, this is probably not the betrayal that you're going to think of in the recent news. Belichick, if you are not aware, he was in line to be the coach for the New York Jets. And he was supposed to follow Bill Parcells. There you go. I knew I would not say his name correctly. So if you can give me just one little point for trying with football analogies, I'd be grateful. But he was in line to follow this coach of the New York Jets, and after one day, he quit and he became the coach of the New England Patriots, so he betrayed the Jets, and many New York fans still do not like him to this day, and he went on to lead one of the most famous football programs that we know of today. So he is, if you're a fan, I'm sorry, but he is known by the Jets as being a betrayer. Now take a look at this person. Yes, another chuckle I hear. This is Tiger Woods. I heard you saying his name. Now, Tiger did have some betrayal issues in the marriage fidelity department. So, but that's not the betrayal that I wanted us to look at. Because you see, all the examples that I'm showing us this morning, they actually have meaning to us in, in our real lives. Tiger did have the marriage infidelity. And then he sort of went off the grid for a while. His golf game fell apart. He left the game for a while to take some time, some personal time to regroup. And then as he prepared to come back into the game, he fired someone. Do you know who he fired? his caddy. And if you know anything about golf, the caddy is one of the most important people to the golfer. And the caddy, his caddy actually stood by him through all that turmoil when his sponsors were quitting and, and he was, his game was tanking. His caddy is the one person who stood by him, but yet he fired him when he got back because he wanted to reinvent himself. And then the last picture that I wanted to show you today this one is fictional. Do you know what movie this is from? Fatal Attraction. Even if you aren't old enough to have watched this movie, you've probably heard of it. Glenn Close, uh, who is the lady in this picture, she became just a tad bit psycho after a one-night stand with Michael D A tad bit, yes, that is an under-exaggeration of the century. She, like, killed a rabbit. She stalked him. She tried to kill him, tried to kill his wife, tried to kill herself. Uh, it was just, it's this whole movie of drama and betrayal and what happens when we find ourselves in times of betrayal. And that's what today's message is actually all about. I guarantee you that at some point in your journey, in my journey, we have all felt betrayed. Now, I want to go on and give you a, a precursor to the end of the message. This is probably not one that you'll walk out of here going, wow. I loved that. You know, that was an amazing message. And if you ever want to tweet about a message, um, 
put, put a sentence from it that hopefully you take away, but you won't be taking away any thought that that was an amazing sermon. But I do hope that we walk out today with perhaps a new way to look at being betrayed. Today we're not going to talk actually about being the betrayer. We're going to talk about what it means to be on the other side. Perhaps someone that you love has had an affair. Perhaps one of your best friends turned their back on you and a relationship that you thought was so solid doesn't exist anymore. Perhaps some of your colleagues that you worked with that you really thought you could count on, uh, when push comes to shove, they're not there to support you anymore. Or perhaps it's apparent that You know, once you did something that they didn't agree with, you know, they turned their back on you, or perhaps it is a child that you have raised and cared for, and then for whatever reason they have turned their back on you. We all go through times where we have been betrayed. I believe the resurrection story gives us a look at how we deal with that. And I'll just let you know it's not the easiest thing to do, but Jesus did it. And so if Jesus did it, I think we're called to do it. So I want you to hear some scripture from various parts of the crucifixion narrative and then the resurrection narrative. So there's not just one passage that I'm going to read this morning. I'm taking a couple of passages from Luke and John, and then we're going to look at more from the Gospel of John. I want to show you the story of Jesus and how he was betrayed. Think about if you have this, this group of best friends, and you know, you're like this, this pack or this posse, and then all of a sudden they totally sell you out. You know, they forget to do what you ask them to do, or it's something that's really important that's going on in your life, and they totally bail, or one sells you out for actual money to pad his own 401k. That's sort of what happened to Jesus. Well, actually, not sort of. It did happen to Jesus. Those whom he was closest to turned their backs on him. The only ones that didn't actually were the women, and that's why that's the name of today's message. The women were not the ones that betrayed him, but the 12 disciples did. Take a look at actually what they did to Jesus. After Jesus had spent some time with the disciples teaching, he went, as he so often did, to the Mount of Olives. They followed him, and when they arrived at the place, Jesus said, Now, I want you to go and I want you to pray for me and pray that you do not give in to temptation. He pulled away from them about a stone's throw and Jesus knelt down and began praying, Father, remove this cup from me. This is right before Jesus is predicting his own death. Father, remove this cup from me, but please, not what I want. Make this what you want. And at once an angel from heaven was at his side, strengthening him. So Jesus prayed all the harder. Sweat wrung from him like drops of blood, and the the sweat poured off his face. Jesus got up from his prayer, and he went back to his disciples. And keep in mind, the disciples, they were like Jesus' best friends. They dropped everything to follow him about three years before this. And so they were, they were together 
24-7, basically, for three years. So Jesus tells them, look, you know, some bad stuff is getting ready to happen. The people are angry with me. They want to kill me. And so we're going to go here, and we're going to pray. And I want you to pray that you don't give in to temptation. So look what happens after Jesus prays. He gets up, he goes back over there, and he finds them sleeping. What business do you have sleeping Jesus asked. Get up. Get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. No sooner were those words out of Jesus' mouth than a crowd showed up. And then Judas, Judas, one of the twelve, one of the disciples, he was in the lead. So he's leading all these people to come to Jesus, these soldiers and these other leaders. And he came right up to Jesus and he kissed him. And Jesus said, Judas, you would betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Now here, those are those examples. The disciples praying when Jesus asked them, uh, the disciples sleeping when Jesus asked them to pray. Judas betraying Jesus with a kiss, and now Simon Peter, who followed Jesus and is known to be the disciple who loved Jesus, beloved Simon Peter, and another disciple, they followed Jesus to where he was being arrested. The other disciple was known to the chief priest, and so he went in with Jesus to the chief priest courtyard. Peter had to stay outside. The other disciple went out, spoke to the doorkeeper that was inside this courtyard of the leader where they were going to do the trial for Jesus. And once this other disciple spoke to the doorkeeper, they let Peter in. The young woman, who was the doorkeeper, said to Peter, Aren't you one of this man's disciples? And Peter said, No, no, I'm not. The servants and police had made a fire because of the cold, and they were huddled there warming themselves, and so Peter goes over and stands with them, trying to get warm. After Annas sent Jesus, who was still tied up to the chief priest, Caiaphas, Simon Peter was back at the fire, still trying to get warm. The others there said to him, "'Aren't you one of the disciples?' And Peter denied it again, not me. One of the chief priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, said, didn't I see you in the garden with him? And again, Peter denied it. Just then, a rooster crowed. Jesus told them, In some time that he spent with them in the upper room where they were partaking of the Passover meal, Jesus told them, he said, look, you are going to betray me. And when he told them that, they all got anxious, and they're like, who, who? And that's when they started jockeying for power, and who's going to sit at your right hand, and who's going to sit at your left, and all that kind of stuff. And Jesus is like, look, that's not what matters here. And then remember when they went to the garden, he said, pray that you do not give in to temptation. And we see all these examples, the disciples falling asleep, Judas trying to pat his own pocket. And then we see Peter who had like a couple of, exam- a couple of times to redeem himself. You know, he denies him once when he's going into the courtyard. And you could even argue that he was trying to just get in so he could give Jesus some moral support. But then 
Duh! Peter, he goes over to the fire and stands beside the police officers. Now, would you do that? I mean, surely they would have known that he was one of the disciples. So, in Peter's mind, he he must have not had any intention of owning up to who he was. So, I really am trying to paint the disciples in the negative light right now. Because, you see, they were human They were so human. They were afraid. I mean, Jesus, their leader, the one who could turn water into wine and the one who could heal the blind and and cause the lame to walk again, Jesus had been arrested. If they're going to arrest Jesus, what's going to happen to them? So if I were in that situation I would love to say that I would stand true to who I was and and this, you know, transformation or salvation, that's what salvation means, that it happened inside of me. But, you know, I'm not so sure because I I value my life and, and I love to live and they're getting ready to kill Jesus. And don't you believe the disciples knew that? I mean, he predicted his death as they were going to the garden to pray And so the disciples were so human. And they betrayed him over and over and over again. Have you ever felt like Jesus in this situation? Have you ever loved someone so much and then they betrayed you, your friends, your family, your colleagues? And it hurts. I mean, it's a gut-wrenching hurt. But there is a beautiful part to this story. Because you see, there is no redemption at this point in this dialogue. You know, Peter does not sell out Jesus the third time and you hear the rooster crow, which is what Jesus had predicted. And then we do not see Jesus run over to Peter before he's taken to the cross and hug him and say, oh, Peter, it's all okay. We don't see that here. We see that Jesus is indeed put to trial and then they take him down to the pit and they hold him there. And then Pilate says, "Mm -mm, I'm not going to... I'm not going to have anything to do with this crowd. What do you want to have happen? And then the masses of the people yell out, crucify him. And so they do. And they make him carry the crossbar of his cross up a very steep hill. And the disciples are not even hanging out there on the side of the road to to carry the crossbar for him. They pick a stranger that was lining the road because it was not uncommon for people to gather together to watch the crucifixions that the Roman government would do. Jesus goes to the hill, and and he's hanging there, and then we do believe, based on historical account, that the women hung out there near the foot of the cross because of the words that Jesus said that we have recorded from the cross. You know, woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. I'm telling you all that not to be a downer. I'm telling you all that because I really think as human beings that are trying to do this thing called life, that we have to come to terms with what it means to be betrayed. Because it happens 
all the time to all of us. It is unfortunately just a part of our human nature and we all have it. So if you have been the one and I have been the one that has been betrayed on, we don't have any like kind of high horse that we can get on and say, you did this to me. We all have those inherent qualities in ourselves because of original sin, the fallen the fallen spirit that lives in each of us. We're all bent to sin. None of us are perfect, but we follow one or can follow one who was. They killed Jesus. On the cross, he talks to the thieves that are hanging beside of them, and he tells one, you know, today you're going to be with me in the eternal, in paradise. And then he dies. And there is time that goes from the crucifixion around noonday till the resurrection on the first day of the week. So imagine, if you were the disciples that followed Jesus, imagine how you would feel during that down day. How do you think Peter felt when he was the very one who, kill, who betrayed Jesus, and then the next thing that happens is Jesus is killed. How do you think that made Peter feel, knowing that he was the one that betrayed him, and he would never have a chance to say, I'm sorry? Especially, he had no idea that there was going to be a resurrection. There are times in our lives when we have to wait on forgiveness, and we have to wait on healing. Then, on the first day of the week, they realized that death did not win, that life did. And that's what I want to show you in the rest of the scripture this morning. There is redemption from betrayal, Jesus showed up to the women at, at the tomb and then they went to tell the men who were indeed the betrayers. Now, Judas ended up taking his own life, so he never got to experience this beautiful part. But listen to what happens. Later on that day, the disciples had gathered together, but fearful of the Jews who killed Jesus, they locked all the doors in the house but yet Jesus entered and stood among them and said, Peace to you. And he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples, seeing the master with their own eyes, were exuberant. Jesus repeated his greeting, Peace to you. Just as the Father sent me, I send you. And then he took a deep breath and he breathed into them. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive someone's sins, they're gone for good. If you don't forgive them, what are you going to do with them? So that's the question for us this morning. Jesus shows up to the very people that betrayed him, the very people that turned their back, he showed up. And what's the first thing he says? Peace. Peace be with you. 
And then in other accounts where he encounters the people, he then goes on to say, don't be afraid. So that's the message that is here for us this morning. When we are the ones that have been betrayed, the first message that comes is peace. There is a way, there is a way to have peace in the midst of betrayal. And that's by forgiveness. If Jesus did it, and they had him killed, I think we're called to do it too. It isn't easy, but we're called to do it too. I want you to take a look at this movie clip from the movie Frozen. It is about two sisters, and they're in this relationship, and one ends up you know, being betrayed by the other. And, and I want you to take a look at what happens in this, in this scene. Take a look. I'm going back out to look for Princess Anna. You cannot risk going out there again. If anything happens to her... If anything happens to the princess, you are all Arendelle has left. He's in here. Prince Hans. Anna! Oh, you're so cold. Hans, you have to kiss me. What? Now! Oh, now! Slow down! We'll give you two some privacy. <laughs> what happened out there? Elsa struck me with her powers. You said she'd never hurt you. I was wrong. Oh. Anna! She froze my heart, and only an act of true love can save me. A true love's kiss. Oh, Anna. If only there was someone out there who loved you. You said you did. As 13th in line in my own kingdom, I didn't stand a chance. I knew I'd have to marry into the throne somewhere. What, what are you talking about? As heir, Elsa was preferable, of course, but no one was getting anywhere with her. But you, Hans. you were so desperate for love, you were willing to marry me just like that. I figured after we'd married... I'd have to stage a little accident for Elsa. Hans! Uh, no! Stop! But then she doomed herself, and you were dumb enough to go after her. Please. <laughs> All that's left now is to kill Elsa and bring back Summer. You're no match for Elsa. No, you're no match for Elsa. I, on the other hand, am the hero who was going to save Arendelle from destruction. You won't get away with this. I already have. Please, somebody help. Please. Please. Probably at some point we've all felt like Anna. She was betrayed by her sister, who was going through her own personal struggles. And then she had put stock into this Man loving her. She thought he loved her, and he didn't. It was all a ploy so that he could overthrow the throne. This morning, there really is just one question I have for us. And it's one that isn't easy. It is one that isn't popular. 
but we've looked at the stories that are contained in the scripture, and we have looked at how those who were closest to Jesus, who had been a part of that journey every step of the way, how they betrayed him, they turned their back, they sold him out, and he was alone. Don't you think? In being fully human, which we know that Jesus was, don't you think that in that moment when he was alone there hanging on the cross, getting ready to die, and those who he had invested himself in, they were not there, don't you think he felt alone and angry and sad and done? I bet he did. But what happens? You see, he dies. And then just a few days later, he shows up again. And when he shows up, he says, peace be with you and do not be afraid. So today, I ask you, in the way of Jesus, who do we need to show up to again? And who do we need to say, peace be with you and do not be afraid? of the story is that while we are not called to be doormats for people to you know beat us up as we go through life so please know that I am not advocating abuse or anything like that that is that kind of betrayal we do not Jesus never says that we're called to be doormats and let other people abuse us however even in those circumstances we are called to forgive so The question again is, who do we need to show up to and who do we need to offer forgiveness? May you go in the peace that comes when we forgive those who hurt us. In the name of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.